We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast, our first podcast in a couple of weeks. We're glad to be back here, glad you're with us. My name is Jeremy Stoltz. I'm the publisher of BearReport.com, here today with Bears insider Aaron Lemming again. How you doing, bud? Oh, doing all right, man. Uh, magic number is three. Three weeks until uh, everybody starts reporting to training camp, and we finally get to see some practices the following day. So football season's getting closer, which is good news for me because it's, uh, it's really hot here, and I'm kind of tired of the heat, and usually football season means cooler weather. Yeah, it's uh, it's right around the corner. I mean, it seems like every podcast we've talked about how, how quickly this uh, season is approaching, but this is definitely, you know, we're less than a month away, and, and real football starts. The pads will come on that first Saturday, I believe, of practice, uh, third practice, uh, down in Bourbon A. And uh, that's when you get a real, real good feel for this uh, 2017 Chicago Bears football team. So this uh, podcast, we want to give you a start doing the preview for uh, training camp this season. We're going to talk about the offensive players today. And uh, obviously we'll start with the quarterbacks. But recently, uh, Mitch Trubisky, Kevin White, player were at my old alma mater, uh, Wheaton Morville South High School, putting on a, a clinic. And... Uh, Trubisky was interviewed by by a couple of people, and he said that he believes this is a playoff team. You agree with him? I don't. But <laughs> at the same time, uh, I think he should be saying that. I mean, and, and I've talked to a few people on Twitter about it. Like, I know a lot of people are making a big deal about this, but here's the thing. Like, and and I can speak. And I can't speak from experience from professional teams or you know like high grade you know high level teams. But I can tell you that any team that I've ever been on, regardless of how bad we suck, even going back to eighth grade basketball when we were one and eighteen, every every game we went out thinking we were going to win it. That's what you have to do, and especially in professional sports. I mean, you've got to be able to do that. So, 
I mean, I, I think I'd be a lot more concerned if he came out and said, yeah, I think this team's really going to suck and I'm probably going to get, you know, get a lot of chances to play. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I know that, you know, the Bears are kind of a laughing stock right now for a lot of people, but what else do you expect them to say? Yeah, I agree. And I don't think, you know, I don't think he should be paying attention. You know, let's say the Bears are a laughing stock to a lot of people, and I agree with that. But I don't think that, you know, he didn't earn that. And I think he's the one who could change that. So I think that's a great attitude for him to have, a great attitude for you know, a guy at the top to potentially, you know, that, that could permeate down through the rest of the roster, uh, especially when you drive a roster full of uh, a lot of free agent veterans who came in here. Again, they have no relationship to the to the sorry uh, teams that have been out there the last couple of seasons. They don't know anything about that, and they don't care about that. So it's good to hear, uh, you know, a new guy, the guy who's going to be the face of the franchise, uh, say, saying all the right things. And really, Trubisky has said all the right things from the, from the get-go. I mean, I, I, the kid, he's smart enough at least to know what to say and what you know what he should be saying in the media, and uh, that's a good thing. I mean, that just, at least to me, it shows a, a level of intelligence that that you can build with. Now, on the opposite end, uh, Kevin White said that he shouldn't have been saying that. You agree with Kevin White? Um, no, I, I think Kevin White should probably just worry about not being injured. Uh, <laughs> I think that's really where that's at right now. I think I I don't know. I <clears throat> we've talked about you know, extensively about Kevin White over the last few months, and it's like, dude, just shut up and play. Like, I I don't care. I don't care. You know, like. He he may have had you know a certain way of going about things. He may be sour, but it's like, dude, Mitch Trubisky's the quarterback, and you know if he's feeling a certain way, it's not like. And Trubisky was sure to come out and say, "I'm not guaranteeing the playoffs. I just think we can make the playoffs." Yeah. And it's like, all right, dude, he said nothing wrong. You know, like like I said, if, if this is the exact opposite thing, he's saying, "Yeah, we suck," and there's probably going to be some big issues this year. Then I'd be a lot more concerned. Yeah, and I think Kevin White has obviously dealt with a lot of backlash in Chicago. And uh, some of that he's brought on himself. You know, when you're your number uh, top ten pick, number seven overall, and you play four games your first two years, you can't expect to be treated like a king. Uh, when you lie about your injury immediately before you've ever played a game, uh, you're even gone to training camp. Yeah, there's going to be some backlash, and he's 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 harbored that a lot. And I think uh, you know he's got you know his boss is the same way. There's a there's a uh, a disrespect, a, a paranoia about what you know is made public about what is said. Um, and I think that's definitely uh, trickled down to Kevin White and uh, obviously trying to get it to Mitch Trubisky to be the same way. And I agree with you. I don't think that uh, a kid should come in and, and say that, ah, you know, we saw, really, what was he supposed to say? I mean, he, he, he sees the talent around him and this is his team and he wants to he wants to win. And I think that's a good thing. I don't know what Kevin White wants. I would, like you said, I would like for Kevin White to get on the field, stay on the field and make a few plays, maybe catch a touchdown pass. You know, do that first and then you can talk about what the rookie should be saying. But uh, we'll move on. Let's talk about the quarterback uh, group in general. I know we've discussed a lot of, uh, about this group. And uh, I still, you know, I think it's a, it's a shame right now that no work can be done uh, with the coaching staff because I think when, you know, we, we talked to Mike Glennon uh, during uh, the last week of veteran minicamp, one of the last practices, and he said that, you know, basically every time you see me run a play out here, it's the first time I've run a play. So I don't know how much progress he can make over the next three weeks when they can't work with the coaching staff in really understanding and, and absorbing the playbook. And I wonder if Mike Lennon is still going to be running plays for the first time when we get down to Bourbonnais. And with only three weeks of practice, only a couple of weeks before the first preseason game, do you really expect by the time this season starts that Mike Lennon is going to be 100% comfortable with Dow Logan's offense? You know, I, I don't, and 
and I've I've kind of thought about it a little bit, and it's like I see the only quarterback saying this. You don't hear Mark Sanchez talking about this. You don't hear Mr. Trubisky talking about this. It's like is Mike Glennon getting more of the playbook than these guys are? What what's going on? I don't. I mean, at least to me, it. And Jeff Saturday talked about this. I think it was a few days ago, and I came. I think it was on ESPN 1000, and he basically said that he believes that the Bears are doing themselves a disservice that they really go into training camp thinking Mike Glennon's going to be their starter regardless. And I agree with that because you have all three of these guys coming in. Or I, I, well, yeah, because Connor Shaw's probably not going to be there and he knows the playbook. But you have three guys coming in that are all learning the playbook at the same at you know at the same time. I've uh, had the same amount of time. Uh, and as of right now, I mean, Glennon is that guy. So I would like to think, you know, he needs to know it. And I know he's been doing a lot of work with the guys outside, uh, you know, going and going to concerts or, you know, doing whatever they're doing and getting together with guys. So I, I don't think it's for a lack of effort. But if this is still an issue come training camp, let's say two or three weeks in, uh, you know, going in the preseason, then it kind of may be a little bit of a concern. I mean, is this just something that he's not absorbing or what's going on? Well, I don't know if it's necessarily – on Mike Glennon, I think it's just a, a lack of time that the, any team has. You know, when a team gets a brand new coaching staff, they get an extra week, a weekend of practice uh, added on right before, uh, uh, right, I believe, right after rookie minicamp. That happened a, a couple years ago with John Fox, also with Mark Trestman. So uh, it's almost as if that, that should be included when a team gets a new quarterback because there is just so much that they have to learn. Uh, in an NFL level playbook, and especially you know you're coming into a brand new situation with brand new players all around you, um, you know, and you got and for him he's got a first round uh, draft pick breathing down his neck, and he's already publicly uh, you know expressed some defensiveness about that. So I think there's a lot of pressure on on Mike Lennon. I, I'm not sure how well he's handling it now. I, and again, we're, we're, these they haven't gone had any practices in pads. I'm not. Uh, you know, brighten the uh, closing the book on Mike Lennon, but I do think that a lot, a lot of work is necessary, not only for him, but obviously Trubisky and uh, Mark Sanchez, who who didn't practice uh, for most of OTAs and 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 uh, none of it are in minicamp. So I I I wonder who's going, who's going to be farthest along, and you know who's going to be the most ready to play. And I, I think it, Saturday's probably right. I mean, if you, if you're guaranteeing that Glennon's going to go out there, I I just. I don't know how ready he's going to be and how, how ready that offense with all the new receivers and new tight ends, I don't know how ready they're going to be to click, and I don't know uh, you know, what type of progress they're going to be able to make over the next four weeks. I'm very concerned about the passing attack, I guess is my main point here. And I, I, I think that at least for the first month, while they try to work those kinks out, it's, it's definitely going to fall on Loggins to make sure that Jordan Howard is the, is the focal point of the offense and that he builds the each playbook, I don't care who you're playing, build that playbook around Jordan Howard, play action, uh, do what you have to do to make sure that teams are, are, are stared at him and focusing more on him than they are on the wide receivers. Because I think if, if opposing off, defenses are able to shut down uh, the Bears' passing attack, especially during this first month of the season, uh, that's going to be, uh, I'm sorry, the running attack, that's going to be tough. Because then you're going to put all the pressure on either Lennon or Trubisky or whoever it is, Sanchez, who's never been in this offense and is really going out there for the first time trying to trying to do things with players they've never played with. So I'm very concerned about it, and I think I think I, if I had to guess, I think it's going to be Glennon week one. But I'm not. I don't. I don't think he's got a long leash, and I don't think that leash is going to be long in Bourbon A either. I'm really interested to see if any type of competition uh, ends up developing in Bourbon A, and if at any point. 
Mitch Trubisky will be getting first team reps. I'm not sure. Do you think? Do you foresee that happening? Them, you know, maybe giving him those first team reps and, and starting a competition, or do you think they're probably going to say, "Hey, this is Lennon's job for the time being." Well, I had a buddy that was asking me a very similar question not too long ago, and it and it's interesting because we kind of went through the different scenarios of how things happen, and ultimately. You'd have to assume at this point, obviously, Glennon's going to be that number one guy going into training camp. Uh, I would imagine that probably through the majority of training camp, because what, camp's only two and a half weeks, three weeks, uh, that he's probably going to be that number one guy. Normally what happens when, when you start seeing uh, other guys take over starting spots, uh, whether that be a quarterback, whether that be anywhere, it's usually happening in the second or third, third preseason game, because usually the fourth, you're not going to have your starters out there. So I think... Uh, the first game, obviously, we're going to see Glennon out there. I would imagine just because of the lack of experience out of all three of these guys, you're probably going to see Glennon go at least a quarter in the first game, if not more. Uh, Trubisky and Sanchez are going to you know, have their fair share as well. And I think if there is going to be anything going on, I think it's going to be probably, I would say probably the third preseason game. I would uh, The way I have it envisioned in my head, if anything's going to happen, would be John Fox coming out after the second preseason game and saying, hey, we're going to go ahead and give Mitch the start in, in week three and see what he can do. And I think if something like that happens, then, uh, you know, then we can say, okay, like there's a, there's a real possibility that Trubisky you know, could be starting. Now, I agree with you. I, ultimately, I think they pretty well have it made up in their mind whether it's an obligation because of the money that they gave to Glennon, not so much because he's so overpaid, but just more of the fact that you know they – that was kind of their sales pitch. He was going to be able to come in and be the guy. Uh, so I don't know if that's going to be the main driving point. I would like to like to think that they're going to take you know whoever the best quarterback is out of this group, but we'll see. Now, the one interesting thing I want to point out before we move any farther with this quarterback group is the fact that uh, there's been a lot of talk about Mr. Trubisky's contract and how it hasn't been signed yet. Now, he came out, I think it was last week at that Gatorade thing that we're talking about, uh, and basically said that regardless of what happens with this contract situation, he's still going to be out there practicing. Now, I want to set something straight, and this is something I had to do a little bit of research on as well. If if Trubisky doesn't have a contract by the time training camp starts uh, three Thursdays from now, he's not going to be out on the practice field. There's no waiver uh, for training camp. I mean, it, it's really as simple as that. He's either going to have a contract uh, that you know that Thursday that they start practicing, or he's not going to be out on the field. So, I don't think it's going to come to that point. Um, I, I think you know, and I've I've had this discussion with a few different people on Twitter, and they've kind of asked me, you know, what what's the deal? And I don't think anybody really can pinpoint the idea here uh, is exactly what it is. But there's there's only two things it can be. It's either offset language, which would basically mean that if uh let's just say that he busts somehow and let's just say they cut him in year three then whatever team was going to sign him then the bears would be able to recoup a portion of that money back uh from the other team let's let's say they signed him to a two-year uh five million dollar deal then they'd be able to recoup that two and a half million dollars back for both of those years that he was gone now the other thing would be uh, that bonus deferral, which is what Joey Bosa had the issue with last year, which is usually when uh, you know a, a player is asking for you know however much of their bonus up front. Let's just say he gets a fifteen million dollar bonus and he wants that all up front. And the team says, okay, well we don't really want to give you that money up front, so let's work on a, a essentially a payment plan where we're going to break this down over a two or three year period where we can give you your bonus. Uh, you know, and that's that's basically how that goes. So, I mean, there's really only two things that can go, um, especially with the way that the, the new CBA is uh, with the rookie contracts. I mean, there's really not much to it. So, 
Uh, from everything that has been put out, I haven't heard anything personally, but for everything that has been put out, it's basically said that, you know, they both sides have a good relationship. There's really no issues, and, you know, it, he's a number two overall pick. I mean, this could be setting precedence uh, down the line for some of their other picks, or it just could be a matter of they have time, so they're trying to figure it out, but I really wouldn't worry about it. You know, it's interesting that in this day and age that these things still do happen, and I, I understand both the, 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 the portions that you distrust there and, and how those can be a little bit sticky, but, uh, you know, this isn't <clears throat> 10 years ago when, you know, we have a rookie salary uh, cap right now, and, you know, that structure is in place to avoid these types of situations, also to avoid guys getting paid ridiculous amounts of money before they've ever played an NFL snap, but it was... You know, put in place to, hey, you know, you, 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 the parameters are here. There's a little bit of wiggle room, but, I mean, let's get these guys on the field. And I think you're right. I, I don't think that uh, this is going to last into training camp. It'd be really, really stupid uh, from the from the Bears' standpoint for, what you know, whatever minor issue is going on here with his contract uh, to, to potentially, uh, you know, throw away his first season. I mean, you think about it. If he doesn't get out, you're right. If he doesn't, they don't sign. He's not out there. So if he doesn't get out there for training camp and he misses a week or two of training camp or potentially uh, the first preseason game or something, uh, there's no chance he's going to be ready at any point in the first half of the season to play this year. So, you know, if it comes down to, you know, who's going to start, Mike Glennon goes down, then it's Mark Sanchez. I mean, there is no debate there if, if Mitch Trubisky does not get out there right away. And I know that Joey Bosa had a really good season last year, but didn't, didn't he start off a little slow? He dealt with an injury right away and... Uh, yeah, he didn't play. I'm looking right now. He didn't play the first three games, and uh, he came out and had two sacks his first game. But, you know, he it, 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 clearly he came out. He wasn't ready to play because he hadn't been out there practicing, and he got hurt right away, and they didn't ha- have the opportunity to play him the first three weeks. So, And that's just a guy who's getting after the quarterback. He's got one job to do. And we're talking about Mitch Trubisky, who's supposed to be running an entire offense. So, the, you know, the, the, the amount of uh, – information that he has to absorb is probably what 20 25 times the amount that a pass rusher like Joey Bosa has to absorb so I don't think that you could expect Trubisky to miss any time and still be able to play this season or at least within the first half of the season and then you're stuck around Sanchez and Glennon and I guess the question I want to ask you is if uh, the, the statue, the, the the oak tree known as Mike Glennon in the pocket ends up getting hurt because he can't run who do you put out there? You put out Glennon or Sanchez week one? Well, if if it's a situation where Trubisky's missing time, which I think would be a massive failure. Well, I let's, mean, if that let's, happens, right. Let's assume that doesn't happen. He gets back on the field. Just an injury situation with a guy who can't move, which I, I get, my gut tells me is going to happen. Who, who's the guy they put out there? Oh, I would think Trubisky as long as he's ready. I mean, I think that's really what it's going to come down to. I think this whole Mark Sanchez is the second string quarterback thing is going to die really quickly and a really horrible death in training camp. I mean, let's just be real. Mark Sanchez is who he is. They brought him in as a veteran guy. But if Trubisky is remotely ready, then I think he's going to be I mean, he's he's going to be that guy that's going to be the the first villain if he's not the, you know, the week one starter. Well, I I think the biggest thing is whether or not like you said, Trubisky is going to be ready, and it's not going to happen if he doesn't get out there. So that's obviously a concern. But let's say he does get out there. Uh, you know, Mark Sanchez is already behind the eight ball. He's, he's He has had le- far fewer reps in this offense than Trubisky has. I mean, Trubisky had the entirety of rookie minicamp uh, where he was taking all the first-team reps. Uh, 
before Sanchez even showed up. So, I, you know, Sanchez only had, what, a week a week of practice, I think? A week and a half, maybe, before he hurt himself. I think he hurt himself on that second Tuesday. So he couldn't have had more than five, six practices with the team. And, it's you know, again, we talked about Glennon not being ready. How ready, ready could Mark Sanchez be at this point? And, again, we're talking about Mark Sanchez. So I, I, I wonder, yeah, if... If Glennon does get hurt and Trubisky can just show anything, some type of progress, I think, yeah, he's probably the starter in week one. And I don't think that's a great situation. I think he's going to take his lumps and the team's going to go 0-4 and nobody's going to be happy. But, uh, you know, not not the best situation at the quarterback position. But like I said before, that's why you have to ride Jordan Howard. Let's move on to this running back group, unless you have anything else you want to say about the quarterbacks. No, I think this uh, feeds perfectly into the running running back group. Then let's talk about these guys who I think uh, this is going to be the strongest unit of this offense this year, other than uh, the interior of the offensive line. But as far as the skill position groups, uh, I think that the running backs with, with Howard leading the way, been very impressed with Benny Cunningham. And you guys know I love Tariq Cohen. We'll talk about all three. But is let's say that, that Jordan, we obviously know Jordan Howard's the bell cow. We also, we, I think with Benny Cunningham getting those number two reps, in uh, veteran minicamp, he's the he's the he's a primary backup right now with Jeremy Langford sideline, and I think Tree Cohen is your number three is your is your third down back. I mean, he's shown me unbelievable hands, unbelievable open field ability. With Jeremy Langford and Kadeem Carey, let's assume all th- those are the top three guys. Do you keep four, and which one do you keep? I think uh, right now it had to be Jeremy Langford. I, I think you look at. Uh, both of the, the running backs, and oh, I know a lot of people seem to be bigger fans of Langford than I am, but I think when you look at Langford versus Carey right now, I think Langford just has, I think he's a little bit better of a third down back. I think he is definitely a better receiver and all around. I think he's got a little bit more speed, which probably give him the value. And plus, I mean, he is a Ryan Pace pick versus Kadeem Carey, who's going into his fourth year. So mm-hmm. I, I think that would be my pick there, but I'm not overly high on either one of these guys. Are you? No, I have not been high on Jeremy Langford since he was a starter last year and proved he can't break a tackle. And, you know, a couple of years ago, he, he he led all running backs and dropped passes. So, you know, he's, I mean, really, I think Langford is almost living on that one really good game he had against the lowly St. Louis Rams uh, and really hasn't done a whole lot since then. And I I, I agree with you. He's got uh, good speed. Um but I don't, you know, and I think he's a really good one-cut runner. I think he fits well in his own system. But I don't think that between the tackles he offers a whole lot, and I don't think he's a reliable pass catcher. I think Cohen's a better pass catcher, and uh, potentially Cunningham. Uh, Cunningham is, has a history of, of catching passes as well. So I don't think there's a huge hole uh, as, for, you know, as a for a third down back that, that they're going to be desperate to plug Langford in. They already have a few guys who can do that. So I don't think there's... I just don't. I don't know what role he would have here, especially if you have Cohen already in the in the in in the lineup with Cunningham, uh, potentially earning a roster spot because of his his return abilities. And I think somebody told me that Benny Cunningham currently has the second highest uh, kick return average, career kick return average among active players. So that just tells you that he, they're, they're going to find a spot for him on special teams now. So now here's a question: If you like all three of those guys, if those are your top three guys, and you're not liking Langford or Terry. Do you keep a fullback? Do you keep Freddie Stevenson or Michael Burton? I think I, I definitely think that's a possibility. I think the biggest, uh, really, the obstacle here when you're talking about whether you're keeping a fourth running back or a fullback is going to come down to 
overall value, and some of that may come down to special teams. Like you just said, I mean, you have Jordan Howard, who's going to be your number one guy. Uh, I'm a big fan of Benny Cunningham, especially for his special teams ability, and then obviously Tariq Cohen. Uh, so, I mean, you have you don't really have another bruiser per se, but with Jordan Howard, you kind of already have that guy, and then you've got your speed with uh, Cohen and, and, and Cunningham. So, yeah, you could look and you could say, okay, uh, you know, you got a guy like Michael Burton who played pretty well. Um, in, in Detroit when given the chance. I mean, he really didn't have that big of a role last year, and Freddie Stevenson as well. So, it, and this is kind of when I look at the roster, you kind of have you have the running back, fullback, and tight end positions where I think that's going to be where the biggest mix and matches are. I mean, where are you going to keep uh, four running backs? Are you going to keep four tight ends? Or are you going to keep three running backs, a fullback? And, you know, it, it, there's so many different options. But uh, at this point, like you said, I mean, Jeremy Langford – is kind of the same type of running back as somebody like a, a Benny Cunningham. But I kind of wonder if Ryan Pace is going to say, okay, we're ready to give up on, you know, a draft pick already, or if they're going to say, okay, we're going to keep him and see what happens. I mean, that fourth running back is definitely going to have some special teams value. And I yeah. think that's going to be a big thing. I don't know if Jeremy Langford has any special teams value because I haven't really seen him there. Yeah, and, and Kadeem Carey doesn't have a whole lot of special teams value too. Carey has – uh, done some coverage work over the last couple of years. He's, his special teams role has grown a little bit, but uh, neither one of them are are stalwarts in the, on the in that third phase. I think you brought up a good point about uh, you know the types of running backs that Cohen and, and Cunningham are. They're not the bruising type. I mean, Cunningham has decent size. He's five ten, two seventeen, but he's more of a speed running back. Uh, you, that makes me think that maybe maybe if it really comes down to it, and they're looking at uh, apples to apples here between Carey and Langford, if you already have uh, two potential third down backs, and you have nobody who could, uh, you, you know, is a between the tackles hard nosed runner, maybe Carey gets the call because if if Howard does throw down, do you feel comfortable giving Benny Cunningham or a five six hundred and seventy nine pound Tariq Cohen twenty carries a game, or would a guy like Kitty and Carey who has more of a downhill style? If he might be the better option there, if Howard goes down, it might be something to consider as we move forward here. But I would love if the Bears kept a fullback. I mean, that's just that that's the uh, a great way to, to make sure uh, that that your run game can be the focal point, and it's going to help you in those short yarded situations as well. But I think you bring up bring up a great point with all these guys, and we're talking about these last few roster spots. It's really going to come down to special teams because that's that's where you know, like you said, they have to have value all around value. And if the only thing that you can do is come in and play two snaps a game as a as a lead blocker, that's just not enough value to keep you uh, keep you on the fifty three man roster. So it's going to be really interesting to see how these guys uh, you know work their way into that third phase and whether or not they can climb the uh, the roster there in Jeff Rogers' group. Let's talk about the tight ends now, as you mentioned them a little bit. I think this is another position that's going to be really really fun to watch uh, in training camp. And I think a lot could happen with this group. Uh, depending on the health of Zach Miller and uh, you know how Deion Sims is able to uh, you know fit into this offense, but obviously the guy I love the most, Adam Shaheen, really excited to see what he's going to be able to do once the pads come on, and you know is he going to be able to still make the same type of plays that he's been making uh, over the last month when, the, when in just shirts and, and jerseys? I'm not sure, but I'm really excited to see because I I'm high on Deion Sims. I think. He's shown great fluidity, good hands, and he's a really good blocker. And, and man, if Zach Miller just gets on the field, I don't know. This could be the deepest group on the offense. Do you agree? I I I think so. It, it, it's funny because I was just looking at this the other day. It's like uh, the tight end group, especially in the draft next year, doesn't look very good. The free agent group doesn't look very good either. So I think the Bears did a really nice job. And this is just kind of giving Ryan Pace some props real quick <clears throat> of going out and attacking the tight end group not once but twice. 
Uh, I think my biggest X factor here, like you said too, is going to be Zach Miller. But I think mine's for a little bit of a different reason because, I mean, Miller's a guy that is coming off of yet another injury. He's already, uh, I think he's going to be 32 or 33 this year uh, during the season. So you look at this guy and you say, okay, you just spent $6 million a year on Deion Sims and you just spent a a second-round pick on Adam Shaheen. And then you have somebody like a Daniel Brown who I thought played pretty decently well last year. So... I, and this kind of goes back to what we we're just talking about just a minute ago with with the roster spots. Now, do you keep three four? Do you keep three tight ends or do you keep four? I think if you keep three, uh, which is what I have currently projected right now, I think uh, a lot of a lot of uh, Zach Miller's future, personally, I think it's going to depend on how Shaheen and Sims look. Now, if I think Sims is going to be the guy who ultimately starts, just because he is a good blocker as well. Um, but in terms of, you know, what you, when you look at with, with Shaheen, if Shaheen comes out and he plays like, you know, has been reported and like you said, um, you know, if he comes out and looking like that during camp, then I think that makes Zach Miller a lot more expendable. And then you're able to keep a guy like Daniel Brown. Uh, I just don't know if Zach Miller really fits as that third tight end. I mean, yeah, it would be a deep position, but at the same time, I mean, this is still somebody with a lot of injury. And then we go back to talking about special teams value again. I think Daniel Brown would bring some more, you know, special teams value. But there's so many different ways you can cut this. And I think a lot of it has to do with ultimately two unproven guys. Now, Sims is known obviously more as a blocker, had a career year as a receiver last year, but he only had 24 catches. So, um, you know, I think a lot of this projection right now, let's just say, you know, Shaheen comes out and looks like a rookie tight end. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, he should have a good year. Now, keep in mind, rookie tight ends don't usually produce a lot in year one. So let's just say he comes out and looks like a rookie tight end and Deion Sims is good for 30 catches a year. Then I think you keep Zach Miller. But if Shaheen comes out and looks like, you know, uh, Gronkowski light and, and Sims is lightened up as well. I don't know if it really makes much sense to keep a Zach Miller when you can have somebody like Daniel Brown, who's that same kind of tight end, in my opinion, uh, but he's a little bit younger, and I think he's got some upside uh, with less injury risk. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, the team is also high on Ben Broniker, too. They were they they uh, kept him on, uh, were able to hang on to him all through last year. So, um, you know, he's in the same boat as as Brown, as as younger guys with a lot more upside than a thirty three year old Zach Miller. I agree, and I think. Uh, you know, a lot of it's going to come down to his health. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't practiced yet with the team, still recovering from that foot surgery, and I don't think if if he doesn't get out there and, and produce and show that he can still play at a high level, I don't think there's any way they can justify keeping him on the roster. He's the only tight end on the roster who's older than 27 years old, and he's got that beat by six years. So you know, the Bears have obviously gone with the youth movement at the tight end position and pretty much throughout the roster. Uh, but particularly at the tight end position, and have a lot of guys with a lot of upside. So you know, he. I don't think they're going into it thinking that he's going to get cut. But I still think he has a lot to prove, and not only on the field, but just staying healthy and 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 showing uh, that he can be reliable, which he's only been for like one year out of the past four or five, I think. So uh, you know, his reliability has not been Zach Miller's strength. He needs to. He has a lot to do. There's a lot to do in training camp, a lot to do in the preseason. Otherwise, I think it, it is going to be a competition between guys like Ben Broniker and Daniel Brown to fill out uh, that tight end position. But I do think the two guys at the top, Deion Sims, Adam Shaheen, and if Miller does get out there and play at a high level, I think their two, three tight end sets are going to be dangerous this year, potentially more dangerous at that position than what the Bears offer at the wide receiver position, which to me... 
is uh, one of the scariest groups out there. Uh, we talked a little bit about Kevin White and his need to get healthy. Cameron Meredith was injured. Uh, the first week of OTAs, hasn't practiced in three weeks, hasn't gotten that chemistry with Mike Glennon, which you need when you have a brand new quarterback coming in. Uh, and then you got a bunch of, uh, of veterans, basically, that, that the Bears brought in to kind of battle for that third and fourth spot. Marcus Wheaton, uh, Kendall Wright, Victor Cruz, Ruben Randall. None of those guys have looked great uh, during OTAs and uh, uh, veteran minicamp. But again, the pads haven't come on. We haven't seen them out in game action. Uh, I, I don't I don't have high hopes, though, for almost anybody here outside of Cameron Meredith. Is there somebody you're really excited about in the wide receiver group? Um, I wish I could say I was. I'm really not. I, I just, I mean, you look at it, it's a very underwhelming group. I mean, Cameron Mer- Meredith is obviously somebody I think a lot of people are excited about. Kevin White, we've talked about this multiple times, not really much hope. Uh, I think the slot position is going to be a little interesting. Kendall Wright and Victor Cruz are the two guys that are probably going to be battling it out. Now, I'm not really sure and maybe you know maybe you can throw your thoughts in on this i mean do both of these guys make the roster uh i mean you got daniel braverman there as well at the slot i mean do both of these guys make it uh or do they opt to take uh, you know either right or cruise i would assume it'd be cruise he's got a million and a half guaranteed and then take a guy like either uh you know tanner gentry or maybe even somebody like uh a josh bellamy for special teams yeah and don't forget i was going to mention bellamy too because they love him as a special teams player but also deontay thompson who's got the kick return experience as well and, and thompson actually looked pretty good uh during otas and uh veteran mini camp he's only a fourth year player only 28 years old and still has really really good speed uh guy who can uh, stretch opposing defenses so uh, you know especially with his kick return ability if he's able to hang on to that role I think he he plays into it too. So yeah, I I don't think really. I mean, we're not talking about a Bears team that's pressed up against a cap. They don't necessarily need to cut anybody for money. I don't know if these contracts that everybody seems uh, to be obsessed about almost are going to dictate how the roster actually the fifty three man roster unfolds. I I don't think because you you're paying one guy a little bit more than another guy that means that he's going to end up being on the roster. I mean, you have to look at the get the best guys out on the field. And I I really think at this position especially. I mean, I think Meredith. I think Kevin White. Uh, are probably uh, safe. I think Marcus Wheaton, with what he's getting paid, is probably safe too. But all the rest of those guys, I don't think that Victor Cruz is guaranteed a roster spot. I don't. I don't think Kendall Wright is guaranteed a roster spot. I think these are big name guys who, uh, at one point in their career, they produced at a, at a, pr- a pretty high level. Even Ruben Randall had a, had his day. But uh, you know, they're they're not the players that they used to be. I've seen nothing out of Kendall Wright. Uh, a guy who I loved when he when he played for Baylor. So I, I mean, I'm not. I don't think any of these guys are guaranteed. And I, like you pointed out, we we've talked about it. It might come down to who gives you the most special teams value. And a guy like Josh Bellamy, a guy like Deontay Thompson, gives you more value than the, than the Kendall Wrights and the, and the Ruben Randalls and, and the Victor Cruzes. So. The, the you know that's a group. I don't know how many spots. I mean, if 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 we assume that let's say it's Tamara Meredith, Trevin White, and. Uh, uh, Marcus Wheaton are your top three guys. You keep five, maybe six. Who are your next three? I mean, if Bellamy and, and Deontay Thompson you like for special teams, then that just leaves one, maybe one more spot uh, for one of those other veterans to fill out. So I, I really think this is one of those groups where there's nothing to set in stone here. I, I don't. I only think a couple of guys are guaranteed a roster spot, and a lot is going to, uh, you know, uh, this battle is going to happen here over the next three weeks. Uh, during training camp and the preseason, the guys who play the best are the ones who are going are, are to earn the roster spots at that position. The problem is, I, you know, I said, like I said, I just I don't see any of these guys really emerging as a, a, a viable threat. I think we're talking right now. We're talking about who's going to be the number four wide receiver. You know, so I, I, 
it's just not I, I don't think especially with a uh, uh, inexperienced quarterback group I just don't think that this this unit provides them enough uh, dependence you know they're, they're not dependable enough I don't think and I would love it if they showed me differently you know I'd, I'd love it if Victor Cruz came back and played like he did three years ago I'd love it if uh, Kendall Wright could catch 90 passes like he did under Dow Loggins in, in Tennessee prove me wrong but uh, I, I I haven't seen it out of these guys, and, and like we mentioned before, I'm, just, I'm I'm worried about the passing attack in general with with this group, and especially the the inexperienced quarterback. So, uh, so something I'll really be focused on uh, while I'm down in Bourbon, and something that everybody should be focused on during the preseason, seeing how this unit uh, develops chemistry, and and you know what we can expect from the passing attack going into that first month of the season. So. Let's move on to the one area I'm not really all that concerned about, the offensive line. And uh, not a whole lot has changed with the offensive line. That the, the big issue is just that Kyle Long has not practiced yet. And uh, it's, it's un, you know, the, the Bears said that they thought he might be ready for training camp, but there's no guarantees there. And, you know, we're talking about a guy who's coming off an ankle surgery and uh, a shoulder injury that he didn't, you know, opted not to have surgery on, which could be a potential issue for it. I think Lawn's health is is a is a biggest concern to me more more so than them flip flopping sitting and long on, on right guard and left guard. I think both guys have played those positions before. It's not a big deal to me, but uh, I think you know it, as far as the front five, I think that's a strength of the offense. Uh, there is some concern with Bobby Massey on the right side, and you know obviously Charles Leno's not great, but I think those guys are serviceable, and they were not prob- you know the offensive line wasn't a problem with the three and thirteen team last year. So I think this is the group that. Is the foundation of how long gets out there? If they all play at their biggest, at their highest level, that's going to keep Mike Lennon on his feet, and that's going to open holes for for Jordan Howard. I mean, this is the this group right here is the key. Do you agree or disagree? Oh, I 100 percent agree. I, th- I think really when you look at it, you have especially the interior offensive line. I think assuming Kyle Long is actually healthy, is going to be you know that's that's going to be their bread and butter, and especially with the running game. I know a lot of people keep talking about how. You know, Jordan Howard's going to take a step back this year because of the quarterback situation. It's like, did, I mean, do we really have that short of a memory that we can't go back last year and remember that Matt Barkley started yeah. the most games out of any Bears quarterback? I mean, Yeah, the quarterback situation was arguably much worse last year than it is this year. I mean, you can't say that it was a whole lot better, that's for sure. Well, and that's, and that's kind of my thing, and especially with, I mean, you look at it last year, and Cody White here was the only interior lineman to start all 16 games for them last year. I mean, if... Let's just say Josh Sitton stays healthy and Kyle Long stays healthy. Uh, I think that's a big boost. And then you look at you know getting Hieronymus Grasso back. Obviously, he's probably reserve and Eric Cush and then Jordan Morgan. I mean, you. I mean that interior line. I mean that's there's a lot of depth there. And I think when you look at the tackles, obviously it's a little bit more questionable. I think the biggest thing for me, what I'm going to be monitoring through training camp and this year in general, is Charles Leno. I mean, this is a guy who is going into a contract here. He's a seventh-round pick. Nobody really had any expectations for him when he was taken out of Boise State by Phil Emery. And this is somebody who slid in and done a pretty decent job. I'm not going to say he's been good, but I I think he's been right about league average, maybe a little bit below. But, I mean, this is a huge year for him. If he – I mean, just look at what the the offensive tackle market was this last year in free agency – uh, I think right now he's looking in a market of probably five to seven million dollars. But I think if he comes out and plays above average, I mean, we're talking. I mean, this his contract could get anywhere from the eight to ten million dollar range. And then you got to look at it and say, okay, well, is this somebody that you know you're really wanting to pay this kind of money? And obviously, we'll see as that plays out. But I think that's a big question mark right now. I think looking towards the free agent market next year, uh, I mean, there's really not much out there, and he's going to be one of the bigger names. So. 
I, I think this is going to be, you know, you, you can look at the roster however you want to look at it, but there's a lot of impending free agents that the Bears are going to have in the coming year. Uh, but I think this is one of the big names in Charles Leno. I think he's somebody who has got a, a lot to prove, but I don't think he's really going to have to do a lot better. Uh, I know a lot of people are really hard on him, I, and I, I don't really – I don't get it. I mean, he had a – I think it was Pro Football Focus put out something uh, – I think it was yesterday, and he had like a pass – uh, pass blocking efficiency right around like 95%. Uh, he was third in the NFC North and in, in uh, offensive tackles, and obviously that's not saying too much. But I think, I think he's a little bit better than people think he is. I don't think he's, uh, you know, he's definitely not a top left tackle. But at the same time, left tackle is one of the more uh, valuable positions. So I think when I'm looking at all these guys, I think he's definitely going to be the, uh, I think the top guy. And then obviously the depth is going to be big. But yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, this is probably. Outside of running back, when you look at the when you look at the offensive side of the ball, I think this is probably one of the more quote unquote sure things on the roster right now. Yeah, and that's a really good point about Leno. Um, he's only 25 years old, and you know, it feels like he's been around forever. But he, this is, he's only entering his fourth year. You know, his final year of his, his uh, contract, his rookie contract. 25 years old, started all 16 games the last two seasons, really hasn't dealt with any major... Oh, I'm sorry, he played 16 games last year, but he only started 13, so um, little, a few injuries last year, but nothing major. I mean, he's been fairly healthy and fairly consistent at one of the most important positions in the game, the, the position that you know keeps your quarterback healthy. And uh, you're right, I mean, a 20, if, he's, if he... Uh, let's see, he, he turned uh, 26, so he turns 26 the first week of the season, so you're going to have a 26-year-old next year, three-year starter, three-and-a-half-year starter, because he started six games his rookie year, or I'm sorry, one game. So three-year starter at left tackle, and he's only 26 years old. Like you said, there isn't a huge market out there for guys who are that young, that experienced, and that capable. And I think you're right. If he comes out and lights it up and shows that he's a legit Left tackle. I mean, this is a guy who's developing. Everybody's, you know, all the all the uh, people get who are hard on him. I think are are forgetting that he is so young and that he is a developing guy. And he's not Jamarcus Webb. I mean, Jamarcus. We saw that those guys didn't. There was no future for the for those some of the left tackles that the Bears have had out there recently. And Leno has dealt with some of the best uh, defensive ends in the league at times. And I know he's had his struggles at times, but who hasn't? And I think if you're looking for a perfect left tackle, very few of them are out there, you know. So I think that he's more than serviceable, and I think you're right. If he has a great season, the Bears risk losing uh, a guy who has, you know, really gotten better as he's progressed. And I think if he takes that next step, that's going to be great for the offense this year. But I think that potentially means that offensive tackle could be an issue. Maybe they'll slide. Then, then we'll actually get to see Kyle Long play left tackle. Who knows? Uh, but it, well, it, what do you, you moaned at that one. Yeah, I, I don't even want to. I don't even want to think about Kyle Long at tackle. Oh man, I do, you know I really I think if this unit's going to play at a, a, a Pro Bowl level, an elite level, at a top five level, which I think they can, it's really going to be dependent on Kyle Long staying healthy. And I know that they do have some good depth along the interior, but I like Kyle Long out there with, with Cody Whitehair at center rather than Taylor Boggs at center and Cody Whitehair playing a position he's never played in the NFL before. You know, I, I think that the, with sitting Whitehair and Long, you have the makings of, of potentially the best three-man interior offensive line in the NFL, and you have two very serviceable offensive tackles to bookend them as well. So I, I think that if everybody stays healthy, this is going to be the unit. The biggest problem, and you mentioned it before, there isn't a whole lot of depth at this offensive tackle position. I think we're talking uh, guys like Tom Compton, uh, Bradley Soule, uh, William Poles, 
uh, guys that you know you probably never heard of Joseph Diego, the the undrafted uh, rookie out of Florida International. Guys that you probably don't want starting on your team, and that was kind of a situation that the Bears were in last year uh, as well. So uh, they they didn't address the offensive tackle position in the draft nor in free agency. So now they are uh, you know it's still a very shallow position. So hopefully you know Leno Massey they perform, but also stay healthy as well. Anything we missed on offense? I think that's pretty much it. I think I'm going to throw one thing in at receiver really quick. I think. You asked me about upside guys. I would say at least I, I think my one upside guy right now would probably be Marcus Wheaton. More and more I thought about it. I think he's got – I'm not saying he will be Emmanuel Sanders, but I think he's got kind of that upside, you know, to be somebody who comes out of Pittsburgh, uh, you know, a little inconsistent at times and really turns it onto a whole nother level. Not saying that will happen, but I think out of any of these guys that I'd be most excited about that they added, I think he'd probably be it. Yeah, and I agree. Marcus Wheaton was actually, of all the, the veteran additions that they made at the wide receiver position, he was a guy who impressed me the most uh, of that group. And I think that at the very least, he still does have that end uh, and north-south speed that's going to uh, maybe potentially get a safety out of the box. And that would, again, benefit the running game. I mean, if you have guys who can, who can stretch that defense over the top, uh, that keeps them from keeping that, putting that eighth guy up near the line of scrimmage, open things up for the offensive line, open things up for play action passes too. So I think, you know, it, you get a good play action game where, where uh, safeties and linebackers are rushing the line of scrimmage because Jordan Howard is potentially, they're afraid Jordan Howard's going to get the ball. That gives a guy like Marcus Wheaton who has that speed, the ability to get over the top and make big plays. I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the season, a few big plays, Kevin White gets hurt again, Cameron Meredith doesn't get it going. There's a chance that Marcus Wheaton might, end up you know with 750 yards most of which will come from those big deep passes might end up leading the team in in uh, receiving yards this year that's about it guys that's the end we got a, uh, about a minute left so we're running on uh, out of time here but uh good conversation here about the offense a lot of question marks a lot of things that still need to be uh figured out as we head into training camp we'll keep you updated with the podcast probably a couple podcasts th- per week uh, during uh, the training camp as we lead up to the, those final cuts. But that's it for us this week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. You can give me a follow at Bear Report. Come, uh, check out all our work at the BearReport.com as well as our Bear Report Facebook page. You can talk to us every day at the Bear Report message boards. And if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. That's it, guys. I hope you had a great Fourth of July weekend, a great weekend coming up. We'll talk soon. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.